Is your spouse taking you for granted? Well, you may be expecting us to rag on that nasty spouse of yours, but as we often point out, the only person you can change is yourself. So today we're going to look at how a people-pleasing personality or a codependent personality can lead you to feeling very much taken for granted and what to do about it. The Marriage Podcast for Smart People is designed to help busy couples like yourselves move away from conflict and unhappiness to build a marriage you'll love today and treasure for a lifetime. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Learn how you can help save marriages, prevent divorces, and keep families intact by going to oyf.support. Once again, that website is oyf.support. And now, here are your hosts, Caleb and Valinda Simone Gindel from Only You Forever. Welcome to the Marriage Podcast for Smart People. If you want to build a thriving, passionate marriage, we've got the research, the truth, and the answers you're looking for. We have an illuminating episode for you this week. This is episode number 261. And today we're going to be talking about how to respond if you are feeling taken for granted. Hey there, before we get started, if you missed last week's episode, we discussed why you may be experiencing pain during sex. That was primarily for women. It was entirely for women, actually. That's worth well, going back and checking out. it was for men too, out. in case their wife is having pain. I guess so, yeah, yeah. But it's about woman. It was the female side of pain. We have the, yeah. we have the male side coming out in a couple of weeks here, I think. Uh, anyways, also make sure you hit that subscribe button so you don't miss any upcoming shows from us. If you're struggling with your marriage, we offer sound research-based advice. And most of all, we offer hope. But before we get into the topic, Caleb, yes. would I feel taken for granted or would I think that I'm taken for granted? Uh, well, you might feel used and think you're taken for granted. Because mm, we said like how to respond if you are feeling taken for granted. Ooh. And I wasn't sure if that you're was a thinking, feeling word. Hmm, good point. Maybe Anyhow, both. Yes. Now we can get into the topic. Are you feeling taken for granted? No. But I think all of us go through at least the occasional brief phase or period in our marriage where we might feel that way. Yeah. Yeah. I would think so. Uh, often it comes up around issues of the fair distribution of household labor. Okay. And we talked more extensively about that in episode 136. You can get a short link to that at oaf.link slash 136, or just look for our 136th episode in your podcast player. We're also on the topic of emotional layer, labor, which we talked about a few couple months ago. I mm-hmm, think that's mm-hmm. more on the end of like who's making the most decisions or having to figure out the most kind of stuff or mm-hmm. take care of the relationships in the family, that kind of stuff. That's episode 255. So if you think that this may be a shorter term imbalance for you related to one of those two things, those two episodes or articles are probably definitely worth checking out for you. Mm -hmm. But on the other hand, what we're kind of more leaning towards today is that this may be due to relationship or personality dynamics in yourself, especially if it seems like a more chronic issue for you. Okay. And that's what we want to consider today is another possible explanation for how you arrived at a place where you're very much feeling or thinking that you're taken, <coughs> being taken for granted. Yeah. So we want to consider, first of all, marital roles and then uh, two personality dynamics, uh, the people-pleasing personality and then codependency. Those are two tendencies that can make it more easily for a person to be taken for granted or feel that they are being that taken that way. Uh, they're not the same thing, but we'll get into that in a moment. But let's start with roles in marriage. Okay. So sometimes couples have a more traditional view of marriage. Now, we've said in the past, we don't get down on anybody for having any no. particular thing. It's just yep. as long as both people really like it. Okay. Yep. The husband, in a traditional view, makes a lot of the decisions. The wife is supportive of the husband in mm-hmm. her role. Uh, again, should be agreeable to both spouses if they want to do it that way. But you really want to be sure that if this is the arrangement that you're going by, that it's considered to be fair by both of you. 
And especially mm-hmm. that in that sort of discussion around fairness and equality and so on, that the wife's needs and wants are not overlooked in the relationship because very easy for the traditional role to become much more like a patriarchal sort of arrangement where it's all about taking care of the man. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. And the dominant vision of marriage in the 20th century was created during the interwar years. Like during the war? You know, just sort of even between the two wars, right? Before oh, okay. this... Husbands and wives are seen to represent complementary but separate natures and existences. And today, couples with a less traditional view of marriage, they will negotiate household arrangements in a more fluid and individualized fashion than their parents' generation did. So we're just describing a change in culture here, right? Okay. But it's good to recognize these things because it's often the difference between our parents' generation and our generation. Old norms were based on separate spheres and an elevated appreciation for female self-sacrifice. Like that was appreciated. Mm. It was a value in the culture back then. On the other hand, modern norms are more based on comradeship and self-expression. So it's more common in modern marriages for the wife to contribute financially to the family than it was in previous generations. Right. So women have more expectations to manage than men because of the way things have changed. And so they have to... What do you mean by that? They have more expectations to manage. Like they're now expected to to, bring home income as well as take care of everything? Often. Sometimes. Okay. And this is part... I think quite often wives are more often in the case where they're feeling taken for granted. Is that fair? Oh, okay. Yeah. And so again, kind of going back to the older traditional view of marriage it's easier to have this expectation that the wife should be willing to sacrifice her own needs and wants for those of her husband, for his needs and wants. Right. And always be supportive of what he does at the expense of her needs and wants. Uh Uh-huh. So now that doesn't mean that that model always leads to the wife feeling that she's taken for granted, but you can see how it really sets the stage for that possibility. Right. It's more, I would say it's more vulnerable to that. Okay. For sure. Now, in any marriage, regardless of whether or not the wife is working, it's important that there is space for her own individual self-expression. Like she needs a way to be her person and to grow and, and you know expand as a person. And room for her to connect to her husband as a peer, as an equal. Yes. Right? And that means you have to make space. You have to make room for one another's thoughts and feelings. So for husbands in that format of marriage, it means you You really have to work at not dominating or controlling your wife, but allowing her that room to have her own voice, to have her own place as an equal in your marriage, even if you subscribe to the traditional model, just because it Mm -hmm. is more vulnerable to becoming very sort of much oriented towards the man, the husband. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think so. Okay. So I'm just... Like, you just have to be more aware of it. Yeah. I try to gently say that the traditional model is more likely to lead to problems, so you really kind of have to probably work a little harder than maybe like an egalitarian model. Mm Okay. So that's roles in marriage. Now, we're going to kind of pivot from there to talk about two personality features, I guess you could call them. Okay. One is the people-pleasing personality and the other is codependency. So we'll start with people-pleasing. And and folks that have this kind of personality, they often allow others to influence their decisions because they want their approval or they might even be desperate for their approval. Hmm. And if you think that this may be you, then this pattern will likely be present not only in your marriage, but you'll also see it happening with other people like your siblings or parents or neighbors, or even in your church or social networks, those kinds of places too. Okay. One way to describe this personality or this personality trait is you're living from the outside in. You find yourself looking to meet others' expectations predominantly rather than living from the inside out, out of who you are. 
and really expressing yourself authentically in the world. So the risk with living this way is that you can begin to lose track of your own identity because you're so focused on those outside factors, those outside influences that you shift your personality to adapt to the group. Become almost a bit of a chameleon, right? Okay. So those other, like these outside influences Mm -hmm. are the needs of others. Mm -hmm. And they may may not be bad. They might be good things, right? Like there's a lot of needs in a family, in in a church or in a, you know, school. Your mm-hmm. kids are going to school, right? There's all sorts of stuff you can do, but you're trying to you're trying to make all of those different people happy. Oh, so that's and okay. So you have no expression of who you are. Right. It's just reacting to all the things coming at it's, you. It's pleasing everyone else. Okay. And that can it can leave you feeling like, like well, what about me? Right. So this is where we get to being taken for granted. Okay. You don't have a chance to form authentic, deep, loving relationships based on who you are, and by that I mean like. Like, you're a person that is attracted to me because of who I am, not because of how I'm trying to please you. Well, say that again. You're attracted to me because of who I am, not because I'm trying to please you. Right. Okay. The people-pleasing personality may be beloved for all that they do. Okay. And not so much for who they are. Okay. So if you don't want to take a person for granted, you need to love them for who they are, not what they do. Right. But I'm speaking more to the people pleaser. Okay. And I'm saying you need to derive your love or learn to relate to others, to connect to others based on an authentic view of yourself rather than everything you're doing for people to try to earn their love. Okay. So let me go a little further into the roots of this thing, okay. which I think will explain where I'm coming from. Okay. But I'm just more trying to say, hey, this is what the features look like. Okay. In marriage, it could be like so much of the focus has been on your spouse that you as the people pleaser are left wondering after a number of years, like, when is it my turn? Because there's so much catering to the other. Yeah. And, and so much focus on your spouse, right? Now, often this people-pleasing personality is formed in childhood, in a family system, where the child's deeper needs or kind of core needs for being loved and for being bonded or having a bonding with a primary caregiver where that wasn't really met. And perhaps you learned, even subconsciously, that you had to earn your love. Maybe you sacrificed elements of an authentic childhood by being the good boy or the good girl, like getting into a little mischief or that kind of, the normal sort of things that we would see as part of childhood. Mm -hmm. You realize, no, I have to work hard to be a good boy or to be a good girl to please my parents. Like that Uh, had to become the sort of the predominant narrative of your childhood. You may even have concluded that it was your own fault if you didn't receive as much nurture. Hmm. How do you compensate for that? Well, you work harder to earn it. So you continue then, even as an adult now, to try to earn attention and approval and acceptance by pleasing others. And that's how this becomes such an integral part of your personality and even your expression now as an adult. Okay. So it's really the child is being oriented from a very early age to, to please others in order to get... What they need. Yep. Okay. Now, in its more severe forms, you might feel like a deep-rooted sense of shame. And in that the extremes may not even believe that you have the right to be alive or to be seen or to have a voice or to take up space. Like, I'm not deserving of these things. Unless I'm people-pleasing? Unless I'm taking care of this other person. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Now, not all, again, these are the extreme forms, right? Yeah. And I, I will sometimes see these characteristics, for example, maybe it's easy to imagine, but in the context of a wife that's being abused by her husband, even just, okay. start, I'll drop the word just, even in an emotionally abusive, where there's no physical abuse, mm-hmm. but she just doesn't deserve the space. She doesn't do enough to please him. And that's how she'll often start the process of healing is from that okay. difficult spot. Hmm. Now, 
So it's easy then to see how a person can become so motivated to become a people pleaser. And then after a time of doing that in their marriage, they could be completely exhausted, feeling very much taken for granted. Okay. Is that making sense? Yeah, I think so. So then what can we do about it? Well, if you, you know, if this is kind of echoing with your experience that, you know what, I might have a people pleasing issue here. And again, there's a spectrum here, so it doesn't need to include those more severe elements. Yeah. But the problem is that in focusing on making other people happy, you're trying to make yourself happy by making other people happy. So I'm happy if I'm taking care of you so that you're happy. Okay. What? But do you think they're actually thinking that? No, but this is how they're functioning. Like this could be subconscious. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. And the irony is it seems like you're focused on the other person. So this could fit very well in a Christian worldview because it's so service oriented, Mm -hmm. but you're actually focused on yourself. It's like, I need to do enough for you so that I'm happy because you're happy. Mm. Right. Okay. And that's where this is a little bit delicate, right. And, And tricky to untangle. And so a couple experts in the field that we were looking at, they noted that the people pleaser is really intent on what can I do to make you happy? If they can turn it around and ask themselves, well, what makes me happy or what truly makes me happy or what makes me get up in the morning? Those are good questions, but those are difficult questions for people pleasers Hmm. to try to answer. And to be candid, changing the people pleasing personality is pretty difficult. It's hard to break those old patterns, Mm -hmm. right? But here's a useful quote. It says, it's not about thinking of yourself first. It's a matter of identity. The people pleaser is meeting the expectation of others as a longstanding identity pattern from childhood. And so you need to get to the root of the pattern to let go of the old self to grow into something new. It will take time. Yeah. And huh. and this may seem counterintuitive, but one good way to take the focus off yourself is actually by bringing more focus to yourself. That's what? the Well, I said it would be counterintuitive. So it's asking yourself questions like, what do I want? What's important to me? What kind of life do I want to live? Right? Yeah. So that's that's self-expression. Okay. Think of how you would respond to those questions independently of how your spouse would react to your response. Like just in yourself, how would you, how would you want to answer those kinds of questions? Hmm. Now, Okay, so how is that helping? How well, are those questions helping? Because the people pleaser is going to say, well, I'd like to do this, but I'm going to go check with my husband oh. to make sure he's okay with it. Because hmm. if he's happy with it, then I can be happy with it. Hmm. See what just happened there? Yeah. So it'd be wise to have some partners in change as you go through this process. If your spouse realizes that this is part of your personality and also part of what happens in the dynamic between you and your spouse wants to support your journey to becoming more authentic, then that's a huge asset to have mm-hmm. someone like that in your in your corner as a, as a partner in this process. You might also consider doing counseling. So there's a number of effective approaches to helping someone who has a strong people-pleasing personality to help them learn healthy and independence what it means to serve others from a place of acceptance and fullness rather than service out of neediness and a quest huh. to feel complete or whole. I was going to ask you about service because it almost sounds selfish. Like, what do I want? What's important to me? What kind of life do I want to live? Yeah. Yeah. So sometimes we, again, let's go back to the Christian ethic, right? Where we get sort of legitimately concerned about selfishness. Yeah. And so this is more about like, God has created me for a purpose and from that place of purpose, I will serve. Okay. And to get there, you have to understand, okay, what what are the values that he's instilled in me? What are the desires he's put in my heart? What uh, motivates me? Right? Okay. So maybe that's, and from, the, from that sort of God-given sense of motivation, how do I want to serve and function in this world? That's operating out of a place of fullness. Okay. Rather than trying to use pleasing as a way to try to fill up a sense of emptiness. 
Okay. Or insufficiency. So that, that's like a really fine balance in there. Yeah, it is. Like to know in yourself the difference. Yeah. Okay. So for that, once again, we have a bonus worksheet that we've uh, created for our much appreciated Patreon supporters. This episode's bonus is a conversation guide for you and your spouse. If you've been feeling taken for granted and you think that you may have somewhat of a people-pleasing personality, the guide will help you have that conversation with your spouse where you can start to shift towards a more balanced dynamic between you if you're Mm -hmm. really feeling taken for granted. So you can get this by becoming a patron of the Marriage Podcast for Smart People. And we'll take a short 60-second break here to tell you more about that. What happens when the fairy tale marriage meets reality? Too often, high expectations lead to disappointment, communication breaks down, and the struggles of day-to-day life become overwhelming, leaving you feeling lost and without hope. Unfortunately, marriage does not come with an instruction manual. Marriage troubles are deeply personal and can take a toll on you, your spouse, and your family. Counseling can be expensive and divorce is very costly. It doesn't have to be this way. Caleb and Valinda understand your pain and frustration. Their mission is to help save as many marriages as possible. And to date, thousands of couples are helped through their weekly podcast. But the most important marriage they want to help save is yours. With a minimum of a $10 investment a month, you gain access to exclusive bonus content and valuable information to help you succeed in your own marriage. Learn more about saving marriages and how you can help at OYF.support. That's OYF.support. You're listening to the Marriage Podcast for Smart People. Before the break, we were talking about the people-pleasing personality. I feel like this episode is like a, I have to like shut my eyes and think kind of episode. It's a thinker one. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's true. Codependency. Okay, so we talked about people-pleasing and yep. now this is the other personality trait. Yes. Okay. Now, codependent tendencies tend to play out in marriage in that when something goes wrong, this spouse tends to assume responsibility for what's happened. Okay. Is that kind of a definition of codependency? Like what is codependency? Yeah. It's taking on too much responsibility in the relationship. Okay. Like I'm the one that has to fix everything. Now this one is going to sound similar to people pleasing, but it's a little bit different. Okay. They are nuanced. If any work needs done, emotional work, or even like household labor, They'll assume that they're the one to do it. Hmm. It's almost like a caretaking. Sometimes people can understand that word yeah. better. But um, I think that would be a good thing. Like if you see work that needs to be done and you just want to go ahead and do it. Yes. Like who am I to complain? Right. But this is happening to the point where they have no time for their own self-care because they're taking care of everybody else. It's a, uh, it's a, you know, there's great personal neglect because of the extent to which this caretaking of others is happening. Hmm. Okay. 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 And it's often coupled with a lot of self-criticism. Sometimes it can come out in, in self-deprecating comments in front of others, even sort of given humorously, like you're kind of jokingly, and we all do this occasionally, which is good. But again, this is an overabundance of it. Okay. Okay. You know, even given humorously, so loved ones may miss the more serious undertones or the undercurrents of what's happening in this person's experience, right? So if you're if you struggle with codependency, you may feel that you're too selfish or too immature or too childish. Okay. And so you can you may express that a lot with self-deprecating comments, or you might quietly carry a huge load of self-criticism. <laughs> Again, I think you can see the similar theme of this person is not operating from a place of fullness, but really out of their brokenness. That's what it's compensating okay. for, okay. right? And because of that deeply felt sense of inadequacy in marriage, you might attempt to compensate by working super hard to take care of everybody else. 
And again, it might come out in ways that on the surface appear to be real strengths. You're super responsible, super organized, an incredible caretaker of everyone and everything. But similarly to the people-pleasing personality, it's not born out of wholeness, but out of deeper wounds and needs. And so, it, but because you're putting all this effort out there, are you going to feel taken for granted? Mm. Absolutely. So how do you know the difference? Like, how do you know if you're just, you know, really responsible and organized and... Well, some people are, but... I don't know. I have a personal theory that a lot of the time our strengths are really a reflection of our brokenness, that we're just compensating for how we're wounded. So I think, like I look back at my own life at a time when I was super organized and I was trying to cover for like a, a deeply felt sense of shame. Okay. Right? And you can see how okay. that helped that, right? The yeah. one thing helps the other. Yeah. So, you know, when I see people that are really good at something, mm-hmm. I'm always curious about wounds. Oh, well, then I look at people who are organized and is like, I wish I could be organized. Yeah. Yeah, I know. And, and well, that's the thing. So it's not it's, necessarily a bad thing. Well, well, no. You know, it contributed to my success in one part of my life by being yeah. that way in the business world. Yeah. But it, it also, it meant that I wasn't, I didn't have to stop and face the shame. So, I mean, I think this yeah, but is... How, was that, how did that benefit you by stopping to face the shame? Is this getting too personal? No, like... Okay. Like, I'm just curious, like, what's wrong with those super... It doesn't necessarily have to be wrong. Like, those, the traits can come out okay. Yeah. And it's fine. And, you know, we're thankful for people like that in our lives and in our world. And I'm not saying every Mm -hmm. organized person is actually, like, you know, this, you know, secret, highly dysfunctional sort of person. (laughs) Right? But... But it's just interesting to look at the stuff that often our greatest strengths are compensating for our greatest weaknesses. And I Hmm. think where my concern is on this codependency and the people-pleasing thing is that it really is translated into being taken for granted. Like this person is going to burn out. Hmm. That's the issue here, right? Okay. So so that's kind of where I'm going is that you're not really getting away from this. And maybe that's why you're listening to this episode because you're feeling so taken for granted. You're doing everything for everybody and you realize there's something, something's not right here. Hmm. This doesn't feel right. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Now on this, so in this section now on codependency, going to roots in childhood. Okay. Okay. Yep. Often these folks as kids, they look like little adults. Mm Mm-hmm. They take on responsibility to fix problems, even in relationships in the family. They may do an inordinate amount of housework. And this That's person not me. <laughs> 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 Sorry. <laughs> this personality trait typically is born out of a family that lacks order or structure. So the child then takes on the responsibility of fixing the family, providing some order, some stability. Okay. So in other contexts, we'll talk about a parentified child. They're doing parenting tasks. Okay. But because this is such a huge task, they can only take it on by neglecting their own needs, their own developmental needs as a child, and focusing on caring for and rescuing others. So then, predictably, given that they grew up that way, when they get married, they continue that pattern of neglecting to meet their own needs and focusing Mm. on the needs of the spouse and children. Okay. They, They might, you know, if I can use a kind of a rude term, they might marry a project because... It's their need to be fixing or taking care of something. Mm. Huh. See how that goes? Yeah. And so again, like what's happened is the child has had to take on a parenting role at a very young age. They become super responsible. They act as caretakers instead of experiencing care or receiving care and nurturing growth within a structured, supported environment. They're trying to create that for others. Okay. Instead of allowing or uh, being able to be brought up in that way. Okay. So- One of the resources we found provided four steps towards recovering from codependency. These come from Darlene Lancer. She's a marriage and family therapist who studied and written extensively on this subject, has a book on it, actually. 
And she kind of uses a little bit of an addiction model because there's a compulsivity towards this care mm-hmm. that he's being provided. So she starts with abstinence. And the first part is that in abstinence is to learn to attend to your own needs and to develop what we therapists call an internal locus of control. Now, that's kind of psychobabbly, but it basically it means that your actions are primarily motivated by your own values and your own needs and feelings rather than those of your spouse. So I'm not being run by a control source outside of myself. I'm being run by an internal set of values and mm-hmm. sense of direction and purpose. Okay. What? But ha- like in a marriage, there's two of you here. It's not like... I am an independent little thing over here right. going to do my own thing. Like, no, but how, like how you and I do this is that like we function, like we function together and independently at the same time. Okay. I don't plan your day for you. No. Your day doesn't revolve around making sure my day goes well. Well, sometimes. What? <laughs> Give me a break. As long as there's ice cream in the freezer, the day will go well. That's another episode. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. But do you know what I'm saying? Not really. Well, sort of. Like we're independent, but we're still like functioning for the purpose of the marriage. Yes. But it's not functioning for the purpose of Caleb. Oh. You're like, you're not just sort of one prop, one more prop holding me up kind of thing. Yeah. No, you'd have fallen over (laughs) long ago. (laughs) You just told me to take a hike. (laughs) Right. So. Okay. So. You are able to do that because you have this internal locus of control. Like you have a sense that you wake up in the morning thinking that you can choose what to do today. Mm-hmm. Not thinking, what do I need to do for Caleb? It's, and that's your entire oh. thought for today. You, so you, that sort of self-efficacy, you have values, purpose, you know what your giftings are as a person. You okay. know what I mean? So that's what you're talking about. You've come to a place where you've granted your spouse the power to control you. It might not be that you have a super controlling spouse, right? but that's you've, just... You've kind of put that control source outside yourself mm-hmm. or allowed it to go there, right? Now, for a person who's in this place, when they think about taking that back, what's the first thing that's going to hit them? Like confrontation. Or- yeah, I'm going to make you unhappy. Oh. I'm going to displease my spouse, right? Huh. And now if you're in an, in an abusive marriage, okay, I'm just going to kind of split that off for a second here. You'll definitely want to review our episodes on abuse. And that's that's episode 123, oif.link slash 123. But there's a lot of possibilities where there can be codependency and you've kind of place your locus of control or maybe even get your spouse to make your decisions for you. Mm-hmm. You're feeling very taken for granted or used and it's just unhealthy. It's not abusive. Okay. Okay. So okay. I'm, I'm more interested here in talking about the unhealthy, not the abusive, right? Right. Yes. So we may have given like too much away here, but the goal then is to step back from your dependency on the other person for what you think and say and feel and do and begin to return ownership of those basic functions to yourself. Okay. Makey sensey. Yeah. Can I just go back? Like, what does that have to do with abstinence? Well, yeah, that title is a little bit obscure, but this is kind of like stopping the behavior, the dependent, the compulsive behavior of getting you to decide everything for me. Oh. If I'm a codependent person. Okay, so abstain from that. Yep. Okay. So this is, I'm assuming, from the researcher. Yes. The second is awareness, right? So often addiction is present as well. Huh. And maybe I should have mentioned that earlier. Somewhere in the codependent person's life, frequently in their spouse. So the codependent person is the one trying to please the other person, trying mm-hmm. to please their spouse. Okay. Mm-hmm. And often they have addiction somewhere. Yes. Often there's addiction somewhere in that system. Often they end up finding themselves married to someone who's addicted because an addicted person needs a caretaker. Huh. Right? Yeah. So denial, here's another issue then that comes in, is denial is one hallmark of addiction. So 
a first step, even for the codependent person, is really making yourself aware of the extent of this codependency problem in your own life. Hmm. And when we think about denial, it could be like the denial of your own feelings and needs. Ah. Maybe those have been denied for a long time, Mm -hmm. neglected for, and you've kind of neglected your own needs for nurturing and for genuine intimacy and connection. You might find yourself now with very low self-esteem. So just becoming aware of how this has affected you is helpful because it starts the process of learning what needs to change and then moving towards that change. Okay. So that's awareness, right? Yeah. Then acceptance. So healing needs to involve self-acceptance. And this is not going to be a simple step where it's like, okay, I'm going to accept myself now. Mm-hmm. But more of a lifelong journey. Acceptance has to come as part of change, even sometimes before change. And what it means for this context is you don't have to please everyone out of just because you're afraid that they might not like you if you don't. Right. But I mean, they might not like you if you don't. They true. They might not like that you haven't done that, but there are people out there who will like you mm-hmm. apart yes. from you pleasing them. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So you honor your own needs and feelings and you're forgiving of yourself and others. And consequently, your self-esteem grows. You don't allow others to take advantage of you. So unhealthy people can't say that you're unworthy because you're not pleasing them. You're going to operate out of a sense of core values. And then out of that place, you'll find people who appreciate you for who you are. Mm. Does that make sense? Okay. So in an accepting yourself, this might mean like friend changes and... Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. Like you could get into sort of a really unhealthy social network, for example, because Mm -hmm. you've, you've found a bunch of people who needed someone to take care of them. Even this might be totally subconscious, so it's not like you went looking for no, people. No. And okay. And they in return are dragging you down and you're realizing I'm not living the life that I was created for, that I that I need to live. Hmm. Okay. I'm not being true to my own values and needs and wants. And I'm not being appreciated here, I'm being taken for granted, right? Okay. So you may say, Okay, like that I gotta wean off that set of friends. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. And then action. And of course, like it's not like you do one, two, three, four here, but these are all going to be probably moving together or you'll be kind of circling through them, maybe be another way to look at it. But Mm -hmm. self-awareness and self-acceptance have to be accompanied by new behavior. So that means some risks that might be need to be Mm -hmm. taken. Venturing outside of your comfort zone, it might mean things like speaking up or setting a boundary. It will mean setting internal boundaries by keeping a commitment that you've made to yourself. Or even by saying no to your inner critic, that voice in your head that criticizes you, or stopping your own huh. negative patterns of thinking. So each time you draw out a new behavior or you take a risk to move towards health, you learn something new about your own feelings and needs. And this is the part where you really begin to move your awareness into real changes, where you begin to address and to change the ways in which you've been taken for granted or you've allowed yourself to be taken for granted, right? And again, we're making the assumption that you're not in an abusive marriage. If you mm-hmm. immediately try to shift this and you are in an abusive marriage, you'll put yourself in a very dangerous position. Okay. So you need to kind of go look at our episodes on that subject, if that is your case, uh, because there's more to consider there. But if you're if you're not in an abusive marriage and you start to do this, you might still experience some pushback from your spouse or even your children or your own adult family members mm-hmm. because you've been taking care of them and they don't want to lose their caretaker, right? <laughs> yeah. And that's okay. So even if they didn't ask you to, yeah, they might have grown to get used to it. They take yeah. it for granted. Yeah, exactly. Huh, okay. Now, every family has this automatic tendency towards trying to maintain the status quo. Uh-huh. And we're talking about you changing, right? One person changing our listener. So it might be hard work to do this, but it is something that you need to do in order to move yourself from codependency in your marriage towards healthy interdependency. 
where you have your own independence and you're interdependent with your spouse. Hmm. All righty. Makes sense? Yeah, I kind think of. so. A little so bit feeling, deeper stuff here today. Yeah. So if you're feeling taken for granted, mm-hmm. then like you might not necessarily be a people pleaser or codependent, but you might share some symptoms or some of the yeah. traits of it. Yes. So those are some good things to work on. All of these things happen on a spectrum. Mm, okay. So okay. I don't, it's not like you have to go away saying I'm codependent and I got this big thing to do. Like some people may just have a few ways in which they show some of these traits, but okay. we'll need to do some of the same things. Yeah. All right. Well, that's good. Very illuminating episode this week. Thanks. We'd like to thank those of you who became patrons between this recording and our previous one. We had Christine and also Karen. So thank you to both of you and to all our faithful supporters each month. Next week, Caleb. Uh, We're talking about when visiting with your family is traumatic or difficult and what to do about that. Hmm, That'll be good. That's all for today's episode. You can get the full show notes at oyf.link slash 261. Find out how you can help. Go to oyf.support. Thanks. And we'll see you next week. The Marriage Podcast for Smart People is totally funded by listeners who support Caleb and Valinda in their mission to save marriages. If you would like to be part of this worthy cause, open your web browser to oyf.support. A minimum investment of $10 per month will help restore hope to married couples. Plus, as a patron, you'll gain access to exclusive bonus content and valuable information to help you succeed in your own marriage. Go to the website oyf.support now for more information. Thanks for listening to the Marriage Podcast for Smart People from Only You Forever.